You're listening to the B-School Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Elise Morrison, embodiment coach and founder of Inner Workout. Consider B-School your invitation to becoming a student of yourself. So come on, let's get studying. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of B-School. I'm really excited for this conversation. Today on the show, I have Christy Rolls. She has a master's degree in mental health therapy, and she is the owner of Full and Free Enneagram Co. If you've been around me or around the show for any length of time, you know what a helpful tool the Enneagram has been for me. And so I'm just really excited to have someone who has way more expertise and knowledge than I do. So today's episode isn't going to be just talking about what the Enneagram is. I actually brought Christy on to help us dive into some of the myths and misconceptions around what the Enneagram is. So hopefully that we can start to make it really useful in our lives. So that was a long intro, but Christy, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I'm, I mean, I could talk about this all day and I love chatting about it with others who are really using it to transform their life and not, I mean, I love a good conversation uh, tool, but it's it's super fun to watch how you use it in such a meaningful way. So I'm, I'm super glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it so much. So when I was thinking about how I wanted to use your incredible depth of knowledge, I yeah, we just thought that it made sense for us to talk about the myths and misconceptions. So I went on Instagram. I asked you all listeners what you think and what you'd like to know. But Christy, you do this day in and day out. So I'd love to start with just some of the things that you hear Mm -hmm. and address those ones first. Yeah, probably. I mean, I think the most common question that I guess get asked initially is, is this just another personality tool, right? Like there's so many out there. There's the disc, there's Myers-Briggs, there's strength finders, there's a billion tools. So is this just another one? Why should I care about this one? (laughs) So totally reasonable. Um, And definitely what I thought initially too, because, you know, it's always helpful to gain a little bit of insight, but at the same time, these tests kind of tell you some things about you, but generally what I hear from most people and what's been true in my experience too, is it will identify some things about me, but there are so many gaps or so many things that's like, wow, that kind of fits, but kind of doesn't. And I've just never felt super at home with any of the other ones. And so when I first found the Enneagram, I kind of, like I said, was thinking it was similar to other ones until I listened to a a specific podcast that talked through the types in depth. And when they got to my type, I'm a type six, I felt so exposed and I was, I was driving in my car and when they, when they got to that, I just started crying and had this moment of like looking around my car thinking, Oh my God, can anybody else hear this? Cause I felt almost naked. It was the first time that I had ever felt so known, but also totally freaked out because it explained my, even my mental patterns in ways that I had never been able to identify. And like you said, I mean, I have a master's in counseling, like I've done been in and out of my own therapy, my whole life, I went to grad school for therapy. And yet, there were still things I didn't realize that were unique about 
my thinking style or the way that I showed up in life. And those things felt really personal and really intimate. And so the fact that this podcast was describing it was pretty moving. And so it immediately got me more intrigued. And so as you know, I've continued to learn and study, the thing that really makes the Enneagram different than all the other typing tools out there is that it's focused on your why. It's focused on that internal motivation. And the thing that I even think is, is most helpful is it's focused on basically what you're most scared of in, in life, in your world, in, in your life experience. So each of the types, there's nine of them. And they're, they're numbered one through nine. The numbers are arbitrary. They don't, you know, none of them are better than the others, but all of them are, are focused around a core fear and a core desire. And so that changes the game because, I mean, Taylor, you and I know we could, you and I could both do a behavior, but why we're doing it, what we're hoping to get out of it and what our intention is could be completely different. And so that's really helpful in relationships when I'm trying to, say, manage somebody on my team, or I'm trying to relate to my boss, or I'm trying to connect to my spouse or friend or neighbor or whatever, understanding that, that there's, they could behave a certain way, but, but what's underneath that could be really different is really a game changer. So that is the thing that makes the Enneagram so much um, more impactful and more specific than a lot of the other tools. Thank you for sharing that. And I can totally resonate. I never really felt at home in any of the other assessments. Mm-hmm. And then when I read about the shadow side of a three, it was, yeah, yes. I think you described it really well. And it's like, you feel naked, you feel exposed. And especially for someone who's a three and like wants to always look perfect and like I'm achieving, <laughs> it definitely was like, oh my gosh, I hope no one ever knows this stuff. Yes, totally. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. You just yeah. explained that so well. Um, any other ones that you get a lot? Yeah. And kind of similarly or bouncing off of that, I think I get asked like, how does this actually change my life? Right. Because similar to a lot of the other tools, it's like, oh, cool. Good to know that I'm an ENFJ or an IT, you know, whatever the letters are, um, or I'm, these are my top five strengths, but it doesn't really kind of even what you just said about the shadow side. It doesn't like I I have a friend who is a type eight on the Enneagram and her top strength is command. And so she and I have had some really cool conversation about that because if she were to just think of this command quality about her as her strength without also understanding how sometimes that, that can be damaging to people or how other people experience her command, then it really sabotages her ability to use that tool successfully. So she can easily walk into a room and be a really positive leader and command the attention and lead incredibly effectively. And also she could walk into a room and dominate everybody's opinions and just kind of steamroll depending on where she is and how she's doing and in terms of stress and whatever else. So the Enneagram is so dynamic, which I think is so fun. And it speaks to the therapist and me too, because it doesn't, you know, one of the kickbacks I get a lot from personality tools is I don't want to be put in a box, right? Nobody wants that. And also the Enneagram is so dynamic that it, it doesn't really allow. It actually kind of says like your primary type, um, you as a three, me as a six, that is us on autopilot, but we can shift to look like other types, depending on if we're growing and, and becoming more um, stable and healthy and mature, or if we're sinking into a place of stress and chaos, it brings out different characteristics of our personality. So it's a really cool tool to be able to say, 
you know, for myself as a six, when I start to sink into a less healthy place, I tend to look, my stress type is the three. So I tend to take on some of the unhealthy characteristics of the type three. So I start to become obsessed with work. I start to be really focused on how people are perceiving me and things like that. And those are really powerful red flags for me because then I can be like, oh shoot, this is, this is not a great space for me. I'm starting to kind of sink into a less healthy space. I need to do some intentional things of self-care and whatever my self-care practice is to recenter myself to a more grounded space. And then I also have, you know, my growth number, which for me is the type nine. So I tend to grow more like the, the healthy side of the type nine when I'm in a healthy space. So I become less anxious and I become more grounded. I become less hyper focused on working and getting all my responsibilities taken care of and I can just relax and be at ease. And so it really gives you a path from your kind of worst self to your best self. And so, you know, it's cool to know your number, right? But, you know, Ian Cron, who's one of the like leading teachers in the Enneagram says, I'm paraphrasing, but basically nobody cares if you know your number. Are you using it to actually transform your life? And so the Enneagram is really unique. Uh, it's a really unique tool in that way that it gives you that path. So that also makes it different. And that is is how you can use it to really transform who you are, rather than just know that you are this number or this box. Mm, that is so good. So you mentioned like no one cares if you know your number. Something that we talked mm-hmm. about is the question of what can you be two numbers? Can you be more than one thing? Like, Can you demystify that for the people who are listening? (laughs) Totally. So that is super common. And that is, um, you know, even I think it's we're taking what we've known from other personality tools, like, for example, Myers-Briggs, you know, it's like, well, I'm mostly extroverted, but I I can be introverted too. You know, it's like it becomes kind of flip-flop with the Enneagram because it's focused on your core motivation. That doesn't change. So, you know, your behavior and whatnot can shift as you mature and grow, but what drives you doesn't shift and grow, um, just your response to that motivation. So, you know, you might feel very in touch with the motivations of a couple of types, but one of them is going to be more important to you. So for example, you know, I was, I was working on a mistyping guide actually earlier this morning and I was thinking, you know, like for example, if someone is stuck between a one and a two, One's their core desire is to be right and good. And two's core desire is to be loved, wanted, and needed. So you might want to be both of those things, right? Like who doesn't want to be right and who doesn't want to be loved? But if you had to choose, which one would you sacrifice? Would you rather be right but sacrifice love? Or would you rather be loved and sacrifice being right? And so that when people really start to wrestle with those things, they can really clarify which one is most important to them. And then that core fear and desire really are the foundation of your type. So you can look like lots of types in terms of behavior, but what makes you the type that you are is that core fear and desire. So that's really the key part to um, focus in on. And then that will help you know that you are one type not two, even if you look like a few. Thank you. I I feel like that's one that even just in conversation, people will tell me and we'll get into a little bit more around that with one of the next questions. But before I dive into questions that I source from people, are there any other ones off the bat that you hear a lot? 
you know, no others come to mind. I think those two, you know, other than, and I know you have some too, so I don't want to leap into those. So um, no others come to mind for me. I think um, let's go with yours and, and we'll have some good conversation too. The next question that I have, and I feel like you you touched on this a little bit, but the next question that I got was, can my Enneagram type change over time? Yeah. And you spoke to this a little bit, but maybe you could talk more about like what happens in health and unhealth mm-hmm. and all of that good stuff. So I get this question a lot um, with, you know, do our types change? And I, I think that that's a common question because as humans, we want to not feel stuck. We want to feel like there's freedom to evolve and become different versions of us. And so, you know, again, the Enneagram's focus is really on that core motivation. And so the things that drive us, uh, the things that we want don't shift, even if our response shifts. Does that make sense? So for example, you know, our, our personality from a psychology perspective are, you know, they are pretty settled by the time we're like four or five for the most part. And so we learn a certain way, those early years of life we learn how to cope with life. We learn how to get our needs met. And so we kind of carry those tools or those strategies with us throughout our entire life. The gift of the Enneagram is becoming aware of those strategies and then hopefully learning to respond differently to them. You know, so sometimes, for example, when twos are are really little, they learn that they are loved best when they help other people. And so that's kind of an internal message that they interpreted. Um, I've heard an Enneagram teacher say kids are amazing observers, but terrible interpreters. So twos tend to interpret if I help, then mom or dad or whoever my caretaker is loves me more. Or threes feel like if I perform well and I do the best job, or if I win, then mom or dad or my caregiver seems to have more affection towards me. And so all of us kind of have those childhood messages. And so if we don't become aware of them, then we tend to remain the same. But as we continue to mature, we become aware of our patterns and then our reaction and responses to those patterns can really shift. And so while that core motivation doesn't really change over our lives, our response to them hopefully changes. Our response hopefully matures, gets healthier. So in terms of the health and response, even, you know, a personal example, you know, the childhood message for the type six is the world is a scary place and you might not have the internal or external resources to manage it. <laughs> so I kind of walk around scared of life, not always consciously, um, but I, I see it in my alertness, in my hypervigilance to kind of constantly be like watching around me and scanning for, you know, what, what could go wrong here? And then how do I kind of prepare and uh, avoid that bad thing. But as I mature and I and I grow towards my health number, which is the nine, I find myself really trusting in the goodness of life and trusting in my own capacities to handle whatever life's challenges are. I find myself being able to hope more and be more optimistic and less fearful. And so, you know, again, that internal motivation doesn't shift, but our, our response hopefully does. Thank you. Thank you. That's such a good way to look at it. And that's what I appreciate about the Enneagram is that while the number stays the same, there's so much room for growth and exploration in that, that it mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like you 
like I'm certified in this thing called insights that's used a lot um, in workplace settings. Mm. And that really, it's based on the same like Jungian psychology. So it's very fixed. This is what you are. You show up this way all the time. And it just, even as I'm saying it right now, you can't see me, but I'm like constricting. It makes me (laughs) feel really claustrophobic. Yes. Yeah. And there's so much openness with the Enneagram, which is what I love about that. Yes, totally agree. So this is a big question, this next one that I'm going to give you. And you can maybe just do like a bullet point for each one. But someone asked a really lovely question. How do I best support each Enneagram type in achieving their goals? Um, I love that question. I I almost feel like it would be more helpful to answer in terms of stances. And so I know that's kind of introducing a new uh, idea of the Enneagram, but it's, there's a lot of pieces, but I'll kind of explain when it comes to goals, there are the Enneagram types one through nine are kind of divided into three different groups that we call stances. And it's basically how do you show up to life? And how do you get what you want? And so the types ones, twos and sixes are in what we call the compliant or dependent stance. They tend to be a lot more focused on what others expect or want from them than often what they want for themselves. And so a lot of times a way that you, that you can support ones, twos, and sixes is to really say, no, no, what do you want here? No, no, what do you think? Before you ask my opinion or before I give my opinion to you on if this project is good enough or if you were soft enough and kind enough in the way you expressed it or if it, you know, whatever it is, what do you think? So really challenging them to take ownership of their goals and feel empowered to choose what they want for themselves and not allow other people to kind of critique it or to feel like they have to meet other people's expectations. So ones, twos, and sixes really need to do a lot of work in terms of looking inward. So that sounds different because it's like, well, how can I support them? You can best support them actually by encouraging them to look inward and find their own internal support. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay, yeah. So, um, and then threes, sevens, and eights, this is your stance, is what we call the, so there's two names. I will say three, sevens, and eights like it, (laughs) usually like it better when we call them the assertive stance, but I tend to call them the aggressive stance because that's how other types tend to experience them. And so three, sevens, and eights are very driven. They are very clear about what they want in life, and they will push against anything or anyone who really stands in the way of that. And it's it, their intention is not to be aggressive in any capacity. It's just to get what they want done uh, or to achieve what they long for. And so, you know, the best way that you can support them is to kind of ask them specifically, what do you need from me? A lot of times three, sevens, and eights don't find that they need much of anything from anybody. They're kind of cool on their own. They know what they're doing and people sometimes in their perspective slow them down from getting what they want. So I would ask you, Taylor, does that feel on par for you? What Do you resonate with that? Yeah, that's funny that you said, do you resonate with that? Because that was exactly what I was about to say. Mm-hmm. Is that that <laughs> deeply resonated with me? Yeah, so it's super interesting to kind of look at um, those people. My last boss was a three, and the way that he engaged with us, it was just super fascinating to kind of see all of our our team, our leadership team, where many of us are different types, to see the way that we engage and what we want and need from each other. Super interesting. So, 
Okay, so fours, fives, and nines are in what we call the withdrawn stance. So fours, fives, and nines also tend to be pretty introspective and analytical. They tend to be the slowest types in in taking action um, because they're so thoughtful. So you know, again, and I, I kind of said this with, with all of them, but asking like, what do you specifically need? A lot of times fours, fives, and nines will say, actually, just give me space. And it, it's going to take me some time to get clear on what I actually want or need. And so all of, you know, fours, fives, and nines tend to, you know, one of their internal messages is I can get what I need most from within myself. So they don't tend to look to other people to help them. They, they tend to be fairly independent people. And yet, they really struggle sometimes with actually taking action. So a lot of times a way to support them is not to rush them or demand that they take action, but to ask them, is there something I can help you move forward on? Is there something I can help you make a decision on? Um, And they might say yes or no, but that could be a really helpful question for that stance. I also resonate with this one just because my husband, Matt, he's a five And we've been together for a while now and just seeing how I used to approach trying to support him, which was definitely (laughs) taking an aggressive stance and assuming that that would work well for him. When really now I do a lot more of what you just said of like asking how I can support, but also trying to give him a little bit more space in that. Yeah, right. It's so hard, you know, because we support people in the ways that we often want to be supported ourselves. And yet that's not usually all that effective. That was so good. Thank you for sharing that. The last question I want to ask you before we move into the lightning questions is just what is the best test or method for typing? How can people actually figure out what their type is? Yeah, so... There are so many ways. And I will also say, you know, I had mentioned earlier, we tend to take what we've done in other assessments and, you know, put it towards the Enneagram. You know, we tend to want to take a test and that is often fun, but it's not really that effective. And I will tell you, I do do typing sessions with a lot of clients and I've walked a lot of people through kind of a typing process, which is a gift. And yet, um, you know, even in my own assessment, I I have folks take an assessment, which is, in my opinion, the most thorough one out there. And then we also still do a 45 minute typing interview to kind of wade through that. And so even in my own assessments, my data shows about 70.3% of the time the assessment actually gets it right. And so the reality is because it's focused on, because the Enneagram is focused on our core motivation, tests really can't assess that well. They really do a much better job of assessing behavior. And so while we want to take a test because it's fast and seemingly efficient, it's often inaccurate and uh, not comprehensive and not doesn't capture who we really are. So there are lots of ways to find your type. I am actually, something I'm super excited about because I get asked this question a lot is I'm releasing something at the end of this month, which is a digital downloadable way for folks to find their type. So I'm walking them through in a a full presentation an in-depth walkthrough of all the nine types and then asking specific questions and and highlighting specific differentiators that often trip people up. Like there, there are things that Enneagram coaches know about the types that you know, normal people who haven't studied it for years wouldn't know. Um, Even in terms of talk style, like there's different language or words that some types use and other types don't. There are, 
different emphases or like how much time it takes to answer about specific questions or how much detail is involved that kind of give away (laughs) what type somebody is more likely to be. So there's just so many things that humans and professionals know that other places wouldn't. But I, I do recommend, you know, tests are a fine starting point as long as people know to not get married to those results, as long as they know that it's a a starting point to kind of identify what types they might be. And then I would really suggest digging in and reading in depth about those top three to four scoring types. So um, you can read on different websites, make sure that it's like a legit website. Um, Please do not type yourself by memes or all these things. Um, But you can also purchase this thing that I'm releasing at the end of this month as well at the end of February. And that will walk you through. It's like $27, which honestly, I think is a steal (laughs) personally. And um, it'll walk you through all of them and and kind of pull apart those differentiators and we'll have a mistyping guide. So I'm really feeling excited and hopeful about that. I know I know that that will be a great um, easy resource for people to just have on hand and even to share with people that they love who are stuck finding there. So there's lots of ways to find your type. The best way is through self-exploration and reading from a legit source, not an assessment alone. Thank you for that. And I'm excited for people to have that as a resource. I'll link in the show notes because I'm pretty sure that it'll be live by the time this episode airs. So now you all who are listening, you have that that you can use. I'm excited to hear your answers for these lightning questions. So the first one I want to throw your way is what is something that you've learned recently that you're excited about? Mm, Okay. Some, the thing that comes to mind, and actually, you'll probably be excited about this because you you are one of the ones who got me into it to begin with several months ago. So I have been obsessed with studying my menstrual cycles <laughs> and my workflow. So, you know, sometimes I say like years ago when I worked a normal job, it didn't matter how I felt. I just had to go to work and go to the meetings that were on my schedule, but I work for myself now. And so I can be a lot more in touch with how I'm feeling, how my energy levels are, and how clear my mind is, or if there's different times of the month where different things feel more challenging than other times. And so I have just become obsessed. I love that that was your answer because yes, even though I've been aware of my menstrual cycle, I'm leaning into that even more and seeing like, when do I schedule recording certain things? When do I schedule certain tasks? When am I just sitting and like checking things off a box? So I'm glad that you're exploring that as well. Yeah. My next question for you is, what is something that you're in the process of unlearning? Mm. Do you know that's a a favorite word of mine? No, I did not. Oh my gosh. I had this entire vision of writing a book called Unlearning. I actually started working on it it a lot a year ago and then um, kind of put it aside to focus on some business building things and haven't picked it back up. And I, but I'm still very much in the process of thinking like, what, what does my heart really want to say about that? So anyway, I love that word and I love that whole idea. So probably the biggest thing I'm unlearning in this last year of my life, particularly the last six months, is that just because I don't know something doesn't mean that I'm stupid. And that word, for whatever reason, has always felt so painful to me and so scary. And so it's really limited my ability to fight for what I want because the moment I feel stupid, I just shut down. 
And so that is obviously very challenging. I'm sure, you know, as a business owner, because there's so many things that we don't know. And, you know, we can't know how to do things that we've never done before. And yet we expect that of ourselves all the time, which is crazy. So I've really had to make a mental shift in the last year to, to start learning, to start unlearning that and relearning that not knowing something is not, it's not evidence that I'm stupid. It's evidence that I'm growing that I'm exploring, that I'm trying new things, that I'm being courageous. And that is beautiful. And that deserves to be celebrated and not shamed. Mm, Thank you so much for that vulnerability. Mm. That's such a beautiful thing to be unlearning and relearning. So just sending you a lot of love and support in that. Thank you. I receive it. (laughs) It is hard. It feels super hard. And then this last question is one of my favorites, and it's what's a way that you've grown that you're proud of? And this is your time to just really brag on yourself. Mm. You know, I had this moment the other day. I was sitting actually in our public library and working on some different things, and I was writing things for Enneagram Sixes, some content for the Sixes. And I just had a moment that I, I felt overcome with pride in myself and love for myself. And I do not take that lightly because I really disliked myself for a lot of my life, Um, really probably until a couple of years ago. And I started to just be a little bit more self-compassionate. And that was part of my work in therapy, being able to receive grace from others and, and affection from others and trust that affection. And so, you know, I think the Enneagram has been a massive part of my process in loving myself and my healing process. Um, Ian Cron, I had mentioned him earlier. He, one of the things that I heard him say in a, in a teaching, a talk a, a few years ago was, what are the things that made you cry into your pillow when you were a teenager because somebody told you that they were wrong or bad or that it wasn't acceptable? Go back and get them. And that moved me deeply. And I think that that has been my my work the past few years of reclaiming the parts of myself that have been shamed and learning to love the hell out of them. Like I love that I have a big personality. I love that I have strong opinions. Those things sometimes get me into trouble, but they're also the things, they're also the same qualities that are what enabled me to love and advocate for my clients. They're the things that help me change the world and advocate for people groups who are suppressed and stick up for things that I believe in and help people find their voice and set boundaries and really protect themselves and also receive love in healthy ways. And so, you know, I, I'm really proud of those things in myself. And I'm really proud of how far I've come in the process of seeing them in a good light and learning that, you know, things aren't good or bad. It's the same quality, you know, the same quality that it gets <laughs> my mouth <laughs> that gets me in trouble in some places is the same thing that will save a lot of people from a lot of suffering in their life. And so learning how to manage that well, but also just a real pride in who I am and reclaiming those parts of myself that have been split off and shamed and hidden away. So I love that. I love who I am more at this season of my life than I ever have. And I just do not, I'm so, so grateful for that. That has come with like years of work and unlearning, but I really love who I am at this season. And I'm just like savoring that and like not feeling ashamed. I'm like so freaking sick of not liking myself. (laughs) 
So it feels really good. So that is the thing that I would say I'm most proud of. That is beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I'm just so excited for you to be in that space and having that kind of relationship with yourself. So I hope that you just continue to fall more in love with yourself and become more of who you are and continue putting so much good into the world. Thank you. I received that. Yeah, I I do. It's really fun to serve from a place of deep self-affection versus um, needing others' affirmation or confirmation that I'm helping them, you know? Um, It just feels a lot more freeing. And and that's really like even the vision for my own company, Full and Free Enneagram Company, coming into the fullness of who we are and feeling free to express that and be loved for that. So that is really just deep in my heart these days. So thank you for giving me a a space to share that with you and, and all your people. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sure that everyone who is listening is just celebrating alongside of you. If they want to follow your journey and stay connected online, where can they connect with you? So I am mostly on Instagram, um, which is how we met. Yes, um, my it is. <laughs> handles there. I have one for my personal page, which is really just kind of documenting my own growth journey and general mental health and um, empowerment, things like that. So my handle there is Christy Rolls, K-R-I-S-T-I-R-O-W-L-E-S underscore. And then if they are wanting all the Enneagram content, then full and free Enneagram is how they can find me there on Instagram as well. So I'm also on Facebook, definitely less active there. Um, And then my website is just ChristyRolls.com. So they can find me there as well. Wonderful. Well, Christy, thank you so much for just lending your time and really sharing your heart on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Thanks to Andres Rodriguez for the intro and outro music. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Elise is E-L-Y-S-E. And check out the resources on my website at taylorelise.com.